Good evening, Patriots. And it's Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> not Monday, Tuesday, March 14th in the year 2023. <clears throat> and it is a really beautiful night out here right now. Cold, snow on the mountain, and clear skies, which is always awesome. I mentioned this before, and I just want to do it again, and just because they are a new sponsor to the show. They're a wonderful company. I want to make sure everybody knows about them. And this is Field of Greens, fieldofgreens.com. They're a whole food, full body supplement. And it's literally a label that you can read and understand. And I've said this in each show. It's like one of the things that really struck me about this company is that when you read their label, you understand it. It's in English. It's not in scientist language. It's whole organic foods that have been scientifically selected and then obviously ground down, however they do that, which I'm told includes the skin because there's a lot, so much of the nutrient of anything is in the skin. Put together in a powder form, which they freeze dry and then they, they mill down and then they you put it, you mix it with water and drink it. It's a fantastic product, really is amazing product. And it's one that will help build your health radically keep your body strong, which is what we need. And I love the principle that they're whole foods because that's the whole idea is for us to move back towards that principle of what God gave us. They, If you use your promo code, and the promo code right now is BARDSFM. It may be BARDS by tomorrow. I don't know. Use either one. And you'll get 15, 15% off the first purchase. And then if you sign up for their regular subscription, you're going to get 10% off more. But here's the kicker on this whole thing. They are so confident in their product, and I understand why. That if you go to a, your next doctor's visit after taking this for a while, and the doctor doesn't tell you something like, whatever you're doing, do it, continue to do it because your health looks better, they will refund your money. So they are a great product, American-made, organic, whole food, and it's real food that's in there that's, that's freeze-dried, milled down, and again, specifically selected by their scientists to affect key parts of the body. So it's like things for the liver, things for the heart, things for the kidneys, things for the digestive. So really recommend you check it out. Fieldofgreens.com. The link is below the podcast. There's a hyperlink there you can click on. It just says click, click on or click me or something like that. And then that'll take you right to the site and then use your promo code, Bards FM or Bards, one of the two. All right, Patriots. So I think you'll like that. This really makes me happy because this is something I was praying on, trying to figure out how, what, where we were going to get that, that product offering for Bards Nation. We have a prayer team, which was at Bards Fest last year. Really good prayer folks. And... They reached out to me this morning with a verse, and they said that Bardsfest should be shaped around this verse. This is what they received from prayer. So I want to read the verse, and we want to go through the whole thing. But it's it's uh, Joshua six eleven. So the verse reads: So he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling it once. Then they came into the camp. And spent the night in the camp. 
The message that I received this morning, which I'm going to share with you because I think this is important in terms of Bart's Fest, is that Bart's Fest should be looked at like campfires, which ironically fits a message that I got from Prayer from God, which is that we're seeing prairie fires start up all over the nation. And I love the verse because it's the idea of the ark coming back to the camp and where they did have settled down to have campfires. And we'll work with the name, but it'll be something in those lines. It'll be Bard's Fest campfires or Bard's Fest campfire rallies or something like that. The other thing that the message that they sent me this morning, which is exactly on par with how God's placed this on my heart, is that these need to be very simple events, not the big show and production that they were last year, but focus on the gift that God gives each of us to carry forward to spark revival in the nation. And I feel really good about that in that whole piece. Now, people have been asking me about when, when do we have dates and so forth. We have one date. I'm holding off a little bit, so just bear with me because I'm getting some others lined up and I just kind of want to lay them out. The reason I'm doing this is that there are going to be more than one Bart's Fest. And at this point, there's potentially as many as seven through the summer and into the fall. Again, I want them to be very simple and focused, and I want them to pick up regional flavor so we're not moving people all over the nation. There'll be a couple of people that'll do that. And we want to really emphasize what we can do for each, you know, what we can bring ourselves to each location. And so I'm trying to get a couple of them lined up because some of these places will have a capacity limit. And I don't want people to feel like they're going to miss out because you're not going to miss out. Let's be clear. But we'll have some capacity limitations on some of these locations. So anyway, we'll get to that. The, the dates will be announced, I'm hoping, by 1 April. That's coming up quick, but we'll see if we can do it, at least the beginnings of them. And then people can start planning, and there'll be probably some others that will pop up in the coming months. But we're definitely getting the website ready to launch that, along with a couple of other things, the end of this week and into next week. And I know you've been hearing those website updates forever, but we're finally kind of at that point. A lot of moving pieces this last year, so it's good. So let's dig into Joshua. And, and actually, um, where I want to begin is Joshua 5 and 513 because this is very this was a very important passage that uh, was put on my heart over the weekend and I shared it with you and I'm gonna I want to read through it so it says now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, no. Rather, I indeed come now as a captain of the Lord, of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the guard of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, 
from the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I've been talking about this since Sunday. The importance of this no position. And it's literally where we are right now as we watch the silliness of the politics swing back and forth and the exaggerated evil, which will be focused on Democrats and the supposed greatness that's going to come from the Republican Party, the heroes and saviors of the day. This swing is literally nothing more than Lucifer's pen pendulum because you're going from a dark, dark to a light that's all within the boundaries of what Lucifer plays. And it's important to keep our perspective on this. Getting into that place, you're not in the fight for heaven. Stepping away and standing in kingdom space, taking the position of no, like the captain of the Lord of hosts. That position is taking you out of this, of the dirt world and putting you into kingdom space. And it's an important position to hold and a hold position and a position to hold right now more than ever because there's so much garbage going on and it's starting to tear us down and really confuse things. So let's move on to Joshua 6. The conquest of Jericho. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, and with its king and the valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men in of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. All seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horn and before the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow their trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast at the, of, with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. The people will go up, every man straight ahead. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and the seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horn before the Ark of the Lord. Then he said to the people, Go forward and march around the city, and let the armed men go on before the Ark of the Lord. And as it was so, that when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns, before the Lord went forward and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark while they continued to blow the trumpets. But Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard, nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until I tell you. Shout, then you shall shout. So he, so he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling it once, then came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. And there's that verse, Joshua 6, 11. 
So we have a really, I've talked about this many times and just the trust in the Lord that this passage represents in so many ways. And when you can imagine these are the armed warriors of Joshua receiving a command from Joshua that is the command from the Lord that you're going to walk around the city one time each day and then camp out carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And then on the seventh day, you're going to circle seven times and when the ram's horns are blown, the walls will fall. In this day and age, if you had come, if you came to an army and proclaimed that, they'd look at you like you just came from planet Zeus. And they'd laugh at you. They'd find it crazy unless you could prove the technology. But in this day, the trust in the Lord was profound and the relationship with the Lord was intimate. And so in these discussions that we hear in Scripture, we are, we are witnessing a different time where they understood that there is a true and living relationship with God. And unfortunately, where we live now, the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus, these things we talk about, there, there is, for a large degree of people, the living, breathing relationship with God and Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit are things of Scripture, not of things of living reality. And yet that is where we need to rest. In this time, if we are resting truly in him, in his breath, we are going to weather this storm without any problem. And that means we're, we're listening to God for the directions that he wants us to, to travel and places we want to go, the things that we need. And as we're trying to struggle, this is a simple example. We're trying to struggle with this kingdom economy thing. You know, and we, we think in terms of very mortal and very corrupted ways of thinking, which is framed around a Babylonian money structure with paper and physical transaction pieces of coin. But if we're truly walking within the Holy Spirit, God is truly providing. He's unlimited resources to provide for us, and he is providing in the many different ways that it happens. And it's not about money anymore. It's about trusting in him and he provides. And we start to understand the true wealth of kingdom, which is unlimited. The world that we live in is a world of scarcity. And as a world of scarcity, we're always trying to figure out another mechanism, maneuver, idea, business concept, scam, grift, whatever you want to say for us to try to acquire a little more money so that we can get a little bit farther ahead. When we are trusting in God, he's going to provide everything we need. And that's the, the real trust in that, in that walk. And it's the beginning of a very deep and intimate relationship with him. I interviewed somebody a little bit ago or earlier today who's going to be on later this week. And she's literally put all of her trust in the Lord and traveled the entire world. And he has, he has provided everything for her. It's an amazing, 
I've just run into so many people and I've had my own ex- experiences with this. It's just when we lean into him and truly trust in him, we have nothing to worry about. All things will be provided. So as we go to this story of Joshua and you start to realize the magnitude of what they're doing, because this is Jericho and it's a city that they're going to conquer and it's pretty evident they're going to conquer it because the army's on the outside. You hear that Jericho's buckled up. But what's amazing is these soldiers willfully go about walking around the city with the ark, allowing the priests to blow their trumpets of ram's horn, which is a shofar's. And as they're blowing them, it's, they're going to hear it inside the cities. You know that there's a risk there. You know that the city could start pulling out its boiling oil and pouring it off its walls. These are all counter-siege tactics of the time. They could be shooting arrows and throwing spears down. Because there's no question that what the presence of that army is there to siege the city. But the soldiers give such trust, not only in the Lord, but in Joshua for the command to do so. And to obey him because there's a clear understanding that the Lord is working through Joshua and they themselves are building an amazing and have an amazing relationship with the Lord in that time. These are really just different perspectives in time that we have to reflect on because what what we're being shown here is a glimpse of a different and more intimate relationship in the Lord than most have in this day and age. So we continue with Joshua 6.12. Now Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew the trumpets, and the armed men went before them, and the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while they continued to blow the trumpets. Thus, the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did so for six days. Then on the seventh day, I'm just stop for a minute. Can you imagine the vulnerability if you're sieging, the potential for raids and attacks at night if you're sieging a city and camping on the outside? It's all very real. So this is war. And they're in war. And I, I, it's an important point that I want to make because I've said for, well, since the beginning of this channel started, that we're at war. And getting that concept for people to integrate, some have taken it on right away and accepted it. Others have taken much longer to process that idea, to accept and realize that we are deeply at war. And though I realize there's a lack of context for some in war, this type of warfare has been active and visceral. The offensive attack literally was launched under Obama. So we've been in this war for well over 12 years. And that war is one that has become very Difficult to identify because many people have embraced it as a new normal. And so to realize the magnitude of war and what it means, literally, that 
They are out to destroy you. They are out to kill you if they can. Maim and kill are their main missions because their hatred for you is true and real. That's a difficult thing for people to process, I think. Because I think until you literally, and I've said this before, until you put your foot in a pile of goo that used to be a human body, you don't grasp the visceralness of war. But this war is real and has been real. All they did was elevate the intensity of it and the scale of it with COVID with the full intent of killing people. And they did just that. And they did so horrifically, especially with the elderly. And they continue to do so every chance they get. And so where they can't destroy with the vax, they're maiming everywhere they can with their transgender stuff, both mentally and physically. And the idea is to maim or kill as many people as possible on a global level. That's an assault on God's children. So the visceralness of war is not missed in this point with Jericho. And these men are outside the walls of Jericho. They've already, Joshua's already met the captain of the Lord of hosts. And so the, the reality of what they're facing is it's you can taste it. What lies behind those walls, if given an opportunity, will cut your head off in a, in a half a second. And they know that their mission ultimately is to siege that city. So for six days, they're walking around that city, fully aware that at a certain point, the walls will be, have been told that they will fall. And their mission will then be go, has been told that they will go straight into the city. There is no question in these people's minds as to what the outcome of that's going to be. Meaning, fight with a blade of steel. Joshua 6.22, Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the harlot's house and bring the woman and all she has out there as you have sworn to her. If you remember back when the spies came into the city, this harlot was the one that protected them. And she said that she just asked that they be protected when they siege the city. So the young men who were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brothers and all she had. They also brought out her relatives and placed them outside the camp of Israel. They burned the city with fire, and that was and all that was in it. Only the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. However, Rahab, the harlot, the harlot and her father's household and all she had, Joshua spared. And she has lived in the midst of Israel to this day, for she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua made them take an oath at the time, saying, Cursed before the Lord is the man who raises up and builds the city Jericho. With the loss of his firstborn, he shall lay its foundation, and with the loss of his youngest son, he shall set up its gates. 
So let the Lord. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. It's a profound statement and position that Joshua then places, which, again, the question would have to be asked is, does that curse still persist? And I would say yes. And they're using the biblical term. He cursed before the Lord. Cursed before the Lord is the man who raises up and builds the city of Jericho. So there's no time frame on those sorts of things, especially coming from Father God. The story is, is in Jericho, to me, is just one of those very profound and very important stories of the realities of war and the realities of where God sits. We don't we do not live with a weak God, but we weaken God by the way we worship. We do not live, we ne- have never had a weak Christ, Jesus, but we've weakened his image because we've needed to tell a story, I guess, that is more appealing to filling pews. Jesus is a warrior and his father, our father, is a is an, a massive warrior. He is pure in what he does. And as we learned with Jericho, all that was in Jericho had to be purged. And it was, as with the flood. Noah preached for years before they ever got to the point of the flood. And yet, no one listened. And so what was left ultimately was all God could save, which was eight. And an ark filled, and the rest were flooded and drowned. So we can see how these, the, the patience that Father has, but ultimately when the, when the hammer drops, there is a wrath. And the wrath of judgment is extreme. It also goes to the point that I've said for so many weeks now is the loving and forgiving heart. Because what's important here to look at Jericho is that Joshua is being led by Father God. He is using him in his obedience and his men as the instruments of of his wrath and the instruments of his judgment. This isn't a random act. It's not just waging war against somebody because they did some political move that irritated you. This is a God-driven act, and it's men that are executing that act. As we frame our world today, everything is upside down. Wars are not executed for righteous reasons. Wars are executed for reasons of banking and politics, leverage, of denying one nation an opportunity to rise up so one nation can stay on top of them. The wars are waged from our behalf mostly for maintaining the hegemony of the dollar across the world to ensure that people are locked into that currency and that we can continue to cast off our debt onto their backs while the people of this nation are pacified with cheap products and cheap goods. It's a deeply corrupted system that has lost its moral base, 
It has lost its eyes on any sort of worship in the Father. And sadly, the soldiers that swear their oath don't go to war for the purposes of supporting that type of system. They go to it because in their heart, they believe that they're following a righteous act. But the wars nonetheless are intended to divide us and leave us with blood rifts. Jericho's one of those fights that there's no sense and there's it's very clear that there's no intention to leave blood rifts. It's a point of erasing and eradicating a corrupted element. From the researchers that are out that are continuing and that includes uh, work that I've done with Brad Cummings, it is increasingly evident that Jericho was a home of Nephilim. And so there was no question that they had to be eradicated. They were not of, they were earthborn. They were not of God. So we start to see the, the magnitude of, in this one fight, in this battle of what the soldiers are carrying. They're literally carrying the banner of heaven with them to do kingdom's work here on the earth. I don't know that that's any different today. And it's something that I'm challenging each person to take to prayer tonight and really reflect on because our actions now, we are in a war. And this is why I mentioned this earlier. It is long past the point of, of realizing that we're in war and we're in battle. And if you're just now coming to that realization, you're long overdue. Because every action that we take has to be focused in terms of the battle that God is waging and our alliance with how he wants us to go. And that means talking to him and communicating with him for those directions. Now, the great thing about God's army is it's not everybody carrying a sword. In Jericho, in this image that we have, we have the we have the armed soldiers up front and the armed soldiers behind, but there's also a procession of people that Joshua's already told not to speak, but to shout when they're told to shout. We know that if you're going to have a camp, you're going to have to have people that set up the camp. You're going to have people that are cooking, people that are going to be mending armor, sharpening swords, people that are going to have to be seeing to the well-being of the sick and the wounded. There's a whole procession of people there. It's a support element. It has to go with any army. In this army that we have here, which is a very unique army in this time, in this place, this army is decentralized, and yet it's perfectly placed. Because as there is Bard's nation, which is spread out, there are other amazing communities that are rising up and each we can tie to one another. And this is how God's working. God's literally planting seeds and watching forests grow. But everybody has a place in this fight. The biggest issue here is the headspace. When you're in conflict, that first round that zips across your head usually wakes you up to the reality that you're in a real war where somebody wants to kill you. And it changes your perspective on a lot of things very quickly. In this war, there's been a disconnect from the reality of the damage. 
of the visceralness of their hate, of the visceralness of them wanting to kill each and every person. And yet it is very real. But their way of, of killing people off is slow and painful because they relish in the idea of suffering. They like the idea of people making the wrong decision with their free will to be entrapped and enslaved in their system that will slowly erode them or worse, entrap them in such a way that they will live a miserable and painful and horrific end to their life. This is the enemy we face. It's an enemy that uses information and deception as its main tool. And this process of awakening has been to get people to open their eyes to a large degree to realize that this enemy is viral, viscerally real. God gave me a bit of an advantage in this fight because I worked information warfare from 2006 forward. So for me, the most real part of any war was always the information space, not taking away from any of the door kickers or people that were doing kinetic ops. That was never it. But the real part of shaping and affecting outcomes in a war was based on information. And you can collapse an entire nation with a handful of people in a great information campaign. And this has almost happened here. The steps that we're working into now, and unfortunately, way too many people are still struggling with the idea that we are at war, is the concept that somehow this government is going to reset and fix itself. Not realizing, as I've mentioned already, what I'm now calling Lucifer's pendulum. Because by running away from Biden and running into Trump, you aren't going to get much better. Not unless things clear up, but as far as I'm concerned, these are two faces of the same coin, leading us ultimately to the same place. And part of that, one side wants us to go into civil war and conflict to kill ourselves and ultimately carry that stain of blood into our, into our moment with God and, and in heaven. And the other side is trying to lure us into their way, a softer way, a more promised way, where ultimately we will choose by our free will to enslave ourselves without having to cut our own throats. That transition of the pendulum will ensure that if you follow it, there will be violence. And that violence that you're part of will be part of the earthly violence, not a part of the heavenly violence. So back to the captain of the guard or the captain of the Lord of hosts. And that depends on the translation, by the way. NIV does a captain of the guard and NASB 1995 does a captain of the Lord of the host's army. Same thing. He's telling Joshua no because he's staying out of the conflict that's there on the dirt world. And instead, as he says no, the land, the earth and space he stands on is now holy for he represents God himself. Each one of us can choose that position. And it's not a position of pacified or being passive in this fight, but rather being noble and being mighty in the kingdom. As we stand in that place, we're not getting involved in the, in the silliness of the back and forth, but rather listening to the Lord and where he wants us to play and where he wants us to move in and where he wants us to execute. We become part of the master's chess game, not part of the 
father of lies just came. And that's a position that each one of us can take. And it's all going to be a continued challenge and choice that we have before us because one thing that never comes off the table is free will. Joshua's men have free will. They obeyed Joshua because they trusted Joshua and knew that he had the heart of, the, of, of God. He had the ability and the willingness to talk to him and God talked to Joshua. But they still had free will. Lucifer wants obedience, demands it, requires it. So as a father of lies, you'll get things like, ah, I won't mandate it, but I would persuade you to do it. There's no difference in the end. Main difference being that in a mandate, you haven't given your free will. Being persuaded to do something which is not of heaven is more drastic because you choose and you choose before you to make a choice to walk away from heaven. The craziness of this world is not going to lessen. We are watching now the animals and the, these deceitful animals being cornered and they're going to get more vicious. And as we're witnessing this unraveling, we're watching as if we're watching the peeling of the layers of an onion and it's coming off piece by piece. There is a very dark and despicable element that we're being exposed to. But be cautious as with anything because the sheep in the wolf in sheep's clothing sits on that edge waiting for us to turn to them, to seek them as saviors. Nowhere in this process of Joshua did they seek anybody else to save them other than God or to lead them other than God. And that's what's really profound in this is there's a very clear line of a chain of command in Joshua's fight. Joshua's line of command came from Father God himself with a representative that was put before him of the captain of the Lord of the host's armies. But there was no question where his commands came from. They came from heaven. And so the question for each person is to ask, do you have that relationship with God? To listen to those commands that he wants you to have so that your commands are coming from heaven, not from a TV screen not from some internet puke that we read, not from somebody's commentary because we emotionally respond to it, not to the craziness of the pendulum of Lucifer that's swinging back and forth to try to torque us and get us off base, but rather we're solid in our rock of faith. We're praying in and listening to the words that are given to us. We're listening to scripture and what it speaks to us, and we're following the commands that God's giving us. This is what is now needed and what is going to be required. This is how we win. And in that winning, I said this the other night, there's no, don't mistake what I'm saying here because what I'm about to say is about the power of love, but please understand what I'm gonna say very clearly. We have an obligation to protect and defend our family and our communities. But that doesn't take away the mightiness and the power of the Holy Spirit and love that we grow within us as greater than the sword of steel as we're reminded of in the garden with Jesus. Pursue that first. Maintain your skills. 
Continue with your preps. Be wise, be smart, steward what God gives us. But the greatest force in this world that will crush any enemy if truly connected with the Holy Spirit is the power of love itself. That sword that we wield, the sword of love, is so mighty there is nothing that can stand before it. In the vision that God gave me the other day that I'm embracing, knowing that I do not have this gift at this point in time anyway, is the ability to walk into a fully armored army and with the power of the Holy Spirit and the love flowing through you, to, that army collapses to its knees, not because of me, but because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, a disarming force of love that is so great that nothing can withstand it. I believe that. I believe in that greatness and that mightiness. And I believe in it for more than just a dream because it's scriptural, it's biblical, and it's the power that Jesus showed us. Joshua shows us the mightiness of the blade led by Father God. Peter reminds us of the perfection of the sword of steel to clip the ear and not take the life. Jesus reminds us of the mightiness of heaven to not call down the angels and instead to heal the ear and to walk the most deadly path to the in the end win because his, the sacrifice of his life frees us from the curse. Whatever we face, one thing to never forget, and it's easy to slip in this time because things get overwhelming. Nothing that we face is bigger than heaven. Everything in this world, everything in the spirit world was created by God. How it's used doesn't mean that the bad guys are using it the right way. But there's nothing that they can throw at us that we cannot overcome. No weapon forged against us will succeed. And as long as we hold to that place in a fearless position, 365 times God tells us to fear not. That's no longer a suggestion. That's a directive. And it's said, in my opinion, that many times because people are so susceptible to it. So stand strong. Eyes on Christ. Rock solid on the rock of faith. Listening to the word of God and talking to him for your guidance. And in this storm we come, we will walk out of this mightier, than anyone's ever imagined. Let's pray. Father, grateful for this time we have tonight, a blessing to come together and to reflect deeply, especially on reflecting deeply on Joshua, just one of the great stories and lessons given to us in Scripture. Father, at this time, we just pray for the warrior heart in so many to hear your voice, to seek your voice, and to seek your directions, knowing that in this army, you have made a perfect army, an army that has been distributed amongst communities, an army that has the heart of pursuit of the love of you through our Savior Christ, and this powerful army that has the ability to bring light bring love, and to rally a community of strength. An army that is so diversified with talent 
that there's nothing the enemy can ever do to, to sever it from itself. That there's depth and resiliency in a way that is beyond imagination. And as the many rise together and work together within the body of Christ, it is an undefeatable army. So Father, in these moments now, as we head into a deeper part of the storm, my prayers for all is a strong heart. My prayers are for great discernment and my prayers are for incredible listening to hear you, to feel you in the heart that will guide each of us in this time to each position on the board, each position on the battlefield, the necessary things that we need, fearlessly standing before the enemy, shaking off any of their attempts to destabilize us or offset us or send us into anxiety, hatred, fear, any of those negative emotions, but instead to stand resolute with you, Father, knowing very well that whatever they throw at us will fail. Guide us in these times, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. It is truly a beautiful, beautiful time to be alive. And it's a challenging one for each of us to dig deeper, to reach farther, and to trust more fully. And in each of those steps, as we walk truly deeper in the walk of faith, not by sight, the doors that are opened, only Father can open. And the doors that are closed are only those that he can close. And our path opens up in the most amazing way. One last thing. Last couple shows, we have been bumped off of chat early for whatever reason. Podbean's having a problem, I guess. If it happens, I will restart the show like I've done twice now. So if your chat gets disrupted and you want to come back in, it will reopen. It just takes me about 30 seconds. So just look for it. All right, patriots. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow for Bend and Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body